Welcome to the Pencil Skirt Society. It's Amy Bolding and Amanda Dalrymple. And each week, we're going to talk to women just like you and me who are building their businesses, improving their relationships, and working on themselves each and every day. That's right, and we're so happy you're here with us. Let's go ahead and get started. Hi, guys. Welcome back to another week. We are so excited that you're here with us. We have quite possibly one of the best guests that we've ever had this week. Um, I know that we say that every time, but oh my gosh, she's so good. Agreed? Oh my gosh. You know I was fangirling the entire, actually, (laughs) the first time that I saw that she read my message, I was freaking out, and then she replied, and then she said yes, and the fangirl level just went up and up from there. So I'm on cloud nine. Oh my gosh, she's so cool too. And like, she is just one of the most down to earth, like, and I hate to say like normal, but she's like the most normal person ever. You know what I mean? Just like down to earth, talk to you about anything. She's hilarious. And I, you guys are going to love this episode. Yeah. If you guys start watching her stories and following her on IG, like if you love farm life and you're interested in those kind of things, I mean, even before we moved to the farm, I was interested in those types of things. Uh, this is a great page to follow or a great person to follow. And she's hilarious. Like they just did one the other day about uh, Shinerbach and eating chicken hearts, which we're going to talk a little bit about that. Uh, that's not what the episode's about. So don't turn it off. <laughs> don't, no. don't leave. Don't do it guys. No, it's so good. Seriously. And um, her, like Amy said, her Instagram is hilarious. Every time I see that she has a story, I get so excited because I know I'm going to be laughing throughout it, but Speaking of fangirling, I, on my personal Instagram the other day, Amy, Christine Michael Carter liked one of my photos. And those of you who don't know, Christine is a best-selling author, and she really goes in and writes about, like, all of her books are about working moms. And so I love that already. And then, like, she does other stuff. She, like, contributes to Forbes articles. And I originally started following her because she's an amazing marketer. And so you guys know that's what I do. And um, I kind of just started following her because of that. And so like, just to give you this time, I'm so excited to give you kind of her vibe. She wrote this book called Mom AF. And it's amazing. But the first chapter, you guys, is titled the F dot 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 ing trip to (laughs) Chick-fil-A. So I love her already. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So she just writes these books that are so relatable and her memes on Instagram are like spot on. They're hilarious and they're spot on. So y'all follow her. She's at uh, C. Michael Carter, I think, but she's so funny. And I was just so, I'm so jazzed about it still. Oh, I'm following her now. Hold on. I'm looking her up real time, guys. I'm going to look her up. (laughs) This is how we do. And which, which photo did she like? Okay. So it was the one where I was in Sodak, South Dakota. I was, so at, I, was, I was at firehouse at that winery and I posted it and she liked it. And I was like, Oh my God. Well, what? look at you. <laughs> the one really cool thing that happened to me. Yes. No, I'm so Ooh. excited. No, you had a good trip and I want to hear about it, but also which one is your favorite book? Cause I want to pick up one. Is no, it the dude, one you just mentioned? Yes. Or get, get mom AF. Oh, it okay. is hilarious. And like I said, if you are a mom, you're going to relate to it on so many levels. I love that. I was just thinking like, I need a new book and I just haven't really seen anything that I've been like 
oh, that looks good. Like, I don't know. I just hadn't, I've been in like a funk. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm picking that up next. So that's awesome. And you had a great trip. It looked like so much fun. So many cool things happen. Oh my gosh. It was, I knew, I mean, I knew it would be fun. It was so fun. It was cold though. But my, um, my kids got to spend some quality time with my grandma. And like I said, they have, my youngest son has never met her and he got to meet her and he was all smiles and, you know, like being all cute with her and everything. And, um, there was a couple of days where it snowed, which wah, wah, but it's, you know, in South Dakota, when it, when it snows in the Black Hills, it is just like a Hallmark movie. Like it's so gorgeous. And I'm from Western Nebraska. So we never got like those beautiful snows. We always got the like horizontal wind blowing so hard. It's hard to even walk snows. You know what I mean? Um, when I get to see a good, peaceful, pretty snow, I'm, I'm all about that. So it's that for a couple of days, but other than that, we kind of just went and saw some sight. We would have to eat a couple of times and it was pretty low key, but we, we had fun, but we're glad to be back. <laughs> that is for sure. You know, like after every trip, you're just like so happy to be home. Yes. And I have a few questions about this. Okay. One, did you change out of your shorts? Cause um, I know you always wear your shorts. No. When we were when we were hanging out at the house, I would wear shorts. And my grandma was like, Why are you wearing shorts? It's snowing out. I just love it's wearing just shorts. It's just who I but... am. <laughs> I who I am, grandma. Just accept me. <laughs> and um, you know, when we went out, I wore pants, of course, because I mean it was cold. Like we had to wear heavy coats and beanies and like it was cold. I'm just imagining you in like shorts and then like leggings underneath. And then you've got your like hipster hat on and you're like, so deck. Like I cannot get over that what word. Up? Every time I, every time I hear it, I hear it in that voice. Like, bro, so deck. That's what I hear. That's because it's how it was at the airport. Everyone was like, we're in so deck. And I'm like, oh my gosh, who knew? Who said that? What were they doing that they were so excited about it to get off the plane I, and be like that? I don't, it was like a group of like five people. And I don't like, what? I don't know what, where they were going or what they were doing, but. I want to know what they were doing because I want to be that excited when I get off a plane. No joke. Me too. That's how I'd be if I was like getting dropped off at the beach or something like the Bahamas. I'd probably get off a plane and be like, Bahamas, I'm here. Okay. <laughs> I have another question, but also before that, because this is how conversations go, we get onto 14 different subjects. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to find a cool term for Scottsdale because that's how I'm going to be when I get off the plane. Scottsdale. Oh. <laughs> we gotta think of like a really bro word. Oh yeah. What about SD? Like what up SD? <laughs> what up? Oh, that works. That's definitely douchey. I love it. Okay, guys, <laughs> we're very cool. It's stuff like this all the time. We talk like this all the time, and um, honestly, I just want to get with the times and make sure that my lingo is is up there with the kids. I want to sound cool, you know? Oh yeah. Have you seen those TikToks where the like? 35 40 year old is like okay what's going on what are we doing you have oh to my god They're so funny yeah I literally I can't keep up with my daughter I'm all I have to get my dictionary out of all hold on what did you just say to me translate please and why do you have a new term every single time that we speak on the phone come on just oh, talk normal oh my god goodness and then you laugh at me because I don't I know no I'm all what what excuse me <laughs> okay second question we're gonna get there is the snow still like Hallmark and beautiful when it's damn near summer? Because I know I used to get mad when that would happen in Cheyenne. I'm mad. Uh, no, no, it's not. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like when it first starts, you're like, oh, it's snowing. And then you're like, what the heck? It's April. No, it should not be snowing. It should be like spring and everything should be beautiful. So yeah. And on top of that, there's this guy who is a client of mine and he called me and he's like, saw that, um, that it's snowing where you are. And I was like, yeah. And he goes, Hey, let me FaceTime you real quick. And I'm like, okay. So I flip on my camera and he is in Mexico and he's showing me this view up from his condo and he has a pool down below and the ocean right behind it. He's like, yeah, it's about 80 here today. I'm like, oh, why would you do that? Mm. Rude, right? So <laughs> rude. Fire him. No, I'm kidding. Don't fire him. Don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> no, um, we like him. He's good. Well, you know, I'm just feeling like super fancy because like we have a new affiliate code that we get to share with y'all this week. So I'm like, you should just fire him. Like quit everything. Podcast is blowing up. <laughs> we don't need that job anymore. So I'm, I'm just kidding. Though. I know you know that. But we're so excited because Catherine has agreed to share a special discount code, which we're going to be giving at the end of the episode. So y'all stay tuned right, right after. At the end of the episode, we will give you guys that affiliate link. And then you can go on there, order some awesome meats because that's what Catherine does. They're amazing. And you're going to hear why that's so important here in a minute. And you're going to just be like, oh my gosh, I got to get on there and get some, some chicken hearts and some man junk, which again, you'll hear about in a minute. (laughs) Yeah. Her man meat. Oh my God. You guys are going to die. It's so funny. (laughs) Yes, yes, yes. So y'all stay tuned for that. Um, There is one more thing that I want to ask Amanda. I'm full of questions today and then we'll jump into the episode, but uh, have you gotten rid of your sleep skin yet? Are you washing your face in the morning? Have you tried it? Have you tried it? Okay. (laughs) So this is a funny question because yes, I totally did. And to be honest, I was a little surprised at how much gunk came off. Like, like really, there was a little part of me that was like, eh, eh, like it can't be that bad. I just washed my face last night. I just went to sleep. Like how much junk can really accumulate on my face? But there was kind of a significant amount. So I told you guys, Amy was right. (laughs) <laughs> I'm like, not who knew? I'm not I mean, one to lie I'm gonna tell you and I'm serious it is unreal mm-hmm. so if you are walking around in your sleep skin if you don't know what I'm talking about you need to tune into the last episode was it the last episode or the one I think it was two that? episodes ago two episodes ago yeah I think two but maybe you should listen to the last one just in case if you haven't already and then maybe skip back oh, yeah. I'm just saying um that is a shameless plug go go listen to all the episodes because you're missing out so if you're walking around oh in your God. sleep skin, yeah. lordy, you gotta you gotta wash it off. Well, that's good. I'm proud of you. Oh my gosh, me too. And I'm in like most mornings, I'm just like running around like crazy, just trying to get a kid to preschool or get everybody to bed or whatever. But um, I'm just gonna make time to at least take five seconds and you know wipe all the sleep skin off because it's nasty. It's nasty. And truly, like if you use a micellar water, I mean, obviously I'm biased. Arbonne has the best micellar water. But if you mm-hmm. use an, a micellar water, it's so easy. You get a couple of cotton uh, cotton, cotton swabs, face swabs. You don't know what I'm saying. Cotton pad washer thingies. And put the micellar water on. I usually use about two. And I have a really long face. So you might only need one. Oh my and you just wipe, wipe it all off. It's really, really easy. And your skin's going to love you for it because it really gets nasty. It's really unbelievable. I don't even know where it comes from. It's like dust from the air or something that falls on your face. I don't know. Caught it. It is weird. And I wonder if part of it's like pollution or like the gunk that gets on your, um, like your pillowcase, you know what I mean? Ugh. Hate that analogy. Well, if you, if you think about it, like if you just sit there, right, in your dresser, 
is covered in dust in in a week well that's just how that's how my house is I don't know if your house is I'm like man so that's you know there's an accumulation in the air for sure even if you buy like you know the best filters or whatever like there's still stuff in your air so I also think it's pillowcases and I swear y'all when I am filthy rich one of these days I'm gonna have somebody change my sheets every single day because I wish I had time for it uh oh my god do people do that? I hope like, so. Do people change their sheets every day? That would be crazy. I hope so. I feel like it's a luxury. It literally, like when I pop into oh. the bed and it's clean sheets, I'm in heaven. Oh yeah. There's nothing better. Especially when it's like a really hot day outside and like you go to bed and your sheets are mm. cool. Like there's no better feeling than that either. Mm. So good. Or like if you're a little bit sunburned. Oh my <laughs> gosh. Yeah. I agree with you. So right? I think it should be a thing if it's not. And if I ever do go ahead and bite the bullet and get a housekeeper and you know when I'm filthy rich and I can afford a daily housekeeper that's what I want her to do I want my sheets changed every single day oh my gosh that'd be amazing and speaking of of luxuries and like really awesome things to guess what today is what today is earth day (gasps) oh yeah so so Amy and I if you're new here we're with Arvon and we talk about it because we're obsessed but because we're all about making our planet a better place and if you guys didn't know you can actually take all of your Arbonne boxes your empty product all that kind of stuff and then mail it back to us on our dime and when we do that we can make really cool things for you know our, our earth so we make park benches and running shoes and playground equipment and all of the things which is just so cool and so we want to know what you guys are doing to celebrate earth day I know that um, everybody is is going to be celebrating pretty big today so Tag us on your Instagram stories. We would love to share the love and just see what you guys are doing. Yeah. I mean, along with uh, the fact that Arbonne just has the most amazing products out there, they're plant-based, they are cruelty-free, which is an important thing for me because I'm very passionate about treating animals the right way. I think that Catherine goes into that as well. And I love that about her. You, mm-hmm. Even if they're they're intended to be food, you want them to have a happy life and you want to treat animals right. And so I love that they're cruelty-free and they're also giving back to taking care of the planet. And um, I just, it's just another bonus. It's just another bonus. I mean, I can't stop talking about how much I love Arbon, but that's just me. I know you're the same. I know I am totally the same. And that's a really great segue into... Catherine's episode because like Amy said she treats her animals well I won't spill the whole story but she kind of started looking into how animals are treated currently and it and it got to her so you guys are going to learn a lot from this and you're going to learn a lot about the food that you are currently consuming and so it's an amazing episode and uh, yeah let's just jump right into it oh my gosh Catherine Amanda and I have been so, so excited about having you here. We just got through talking about how we've been fangirling all week. We are so excited, but I really would really love to hear your story about what you have going on. Please do tell us about your farm and kind of what your life looks like right now. Sure, of course. So my husband and I, Tanner, we run 1915 Farm. Um, We run it from our house, from our property, from our land. And we started off working both full time in oil and gas and pharma and then to just slowly um, started our farm while we were still working. <laughs> so it was a, a lot of hours and I've grown it all through direct to consumer marketing. So we raise all the meat, uh, pasture raised pork, beef and chicken. 
and we raise it here on our farm and then we ship it to our customers' doorsteps. And we've built our business all through um, direct marketing, through social media, email marketing, and it's been working as a business for us. So we're so very grateful for that and we love it every day, almost. <laughs> oh my gosh, we just get so excited thinking about this. And I know Amy does too, because she has um, like a, a farm right now and I know that she's building that like day after day after day. And so just like hearing from you and your wisdom and the things that you have gone through. We're just so excited about that. And I know that when we, we first spoke, you kind of mentioned that your initial idea was just really to move to the country. And so what kind of got you thinking about, you know, like, I'm going to, let's turn this into a business. Like what, what kind of came into your mind? Yeah, well, most definitely. We just got educated on the commodity meat system, really. And you're probably wondering, like, how the heck does that happen? And it all started one evening when we were eating dinner watching Netflix. <laughs> so we thought we'd, <laughs> we thought we'd watch the documentary Food Inc. And we gave it a shot. And we were like, oh, my gosh, what's this documentary is actually quite interesting. It can't be real. And it's basically just a documentary that really um, gives you an inside look about how meat is raised in America because nobody, well, people are starting to think about it now, but I know at the time I didn't think about twice versus, you know, when I went to the store and would buy chicken breast, you know, I wouldn't think twice whether it was, you know, pasture raised or how this animal was raised. I was just wanting to get in and get out and it was convenient and cheap. <laughs> so I yeah. know a lot of people, you know, think that way and still think that way. And the food documentary is what really opened our eyes to like, Hey, this is actually what happens behind the scenes. This is how these animals are raised. And we were just floored. <laughs> we were um, disgusted. We thought, Oh my gosh, how is, how has it gotten this bad in America? And we were like, let's, you know, we have all this land. Why don't we try raising our own meat? And why don't we see if, you know, other people want to buy it if we're going to raise it? And really, so that's how we got started. And it was really not a, you know, complicated venture. It was just, let's buy a few pigs. Let's get, a, you know, one cow. Let's get 50 chickens and just try it. So, and that's what it's developed into a much larger company today <laughs> and just four years. Wow. Well, I'm glad that me and my husband are not the only ones that go into these deep wormholes, like in the middle of the night, but you know, <laughs> you never know where they're going to lead you. Look at where you're at now. It got me wondering. I know when I spoke with Amanda, when we started this food series, one of the first things that I said was, I want to talk to somebody on the other end of it. I want to talk to somebody who's actually raising uh, the meat or growing the vegetables because it's so much hard work. And especially when you're not doing it the factory way, um, so it really got me wondering, have you guys, either one of you ever farmed before, or is it just something you completely took on brand new? Uh, yeah, not really. No. So my husband grew up um, in Rockport, Texas. So he was grew up fishing and surfing. <laughs> so pretty far from ag. And then I was in 4-H the last couple years of high school. So I raised a a goat and a pig, but you know, the extent of that was just feeding it every day and walking around. <laughs> so never in a million <laughs> years did I think we'd be making a living off of it and have as, you know, 150 hogs a day. <laughs> so um, it's, it's, oh my yeah, it's crazy how it's developed over time. So I, I'd say it's pretty fair to say we don't really have agriculture backgrounds <laughs> at all. <laughs> I love that. It's so inspiring. You know, just like if somebody were to go watch that document documentary and like want to do something about it, I just think it's so inspiring that you guys you know, you like went into this completely blind, you didn't know what you were doing. But like, look at you now, you know, it's been four years, and you guys are just running this well oiled, you know, machine. And I just love that. And I know that you guys started, you mentioned this before, and um, you kind of started in very different career fields. And you said oil and like pharma. So what was the transition like into this full time farming? 
Oh man, it was tough. So we were both still working full time when we started. So the time that was on the business was either early morning or late evenings. Um, so we would do all of our chores in the morning or late evening. And I do, I do all the website work, all the marketing work at the end of the day. And that was, that was, it was tough. I'm not going to lie, having a full-time job. And it's not even just the time piece because, you know, we're workers, but it was more not feeling fulfilled with my job anymore. My full-time job, I guess you can say. So here I was eight to five in a job I didn't enjoy and in a job I was not passionate about and it, like at all. And I was becoming less and less content in that field to say the least. And my heart was just yearning to do the farming piece full time because I just fell in love with it. And so we were burning the candle at both ends, no doubt. But looking back, it was just, especially when you're just getting started, you know, you just, that's when the passion I feel like is almost the strongest and you have the most hope. And it's just so, there's so much unknown and it's so challenging and man, yeah, those were good days, but it was hard. (laughs) It was hard. (laughs) Wow. Well, I mean, obviously you remember it step by step and that's so powerful. And I think that that's such a important thing for all of us to realize is that you can change your life and you can, you know, pivot in life. And so I absolutely love when I hear stories like that. It makes me wonder though, because sometimes families aren't supportive when you're kind of going from a steady job into something where you're, you know, transitioning into an entrepreneur. How, how was your family like? Did they react good or were they kind of, I don't know, what did they think? Uh, it was pretty tough. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> so I'll just really talk more about, about my parents. Um, they were supportive, but they didn't really understand, you know, pasture raising grass fed meats um, and the importance of it. And, you know, they were, were definitely and <laughs> still are even today, you know, just buy the cheap meat from the grocery store. Like my dad really couldn't understand, like, what? why would somebody pay that much for your meat versus going to the grocery store? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he doesn't buy your no, meat. No, he doesn't. <laughs> oh, my I, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Sorry, mom and dad, but I'm having this reaction. I'm just so surprised. Uh, yeah. I mean, <sighs> shoot, I guess I guess, I guess it does sound kind of bad, huh? I never really ri- realized it until now. I'm just been <laughs> used to it. Um, and <laughs> Sorry, dad. <laughs> Sorry, dad. Um, and it was it was tough. It's tough when you don't um, have that maybe initial support like you hoped you did. But that also shows just really how strong you have to be as a person and how important it is to have the confidence and really believe in what you're doing. Because if I didn't really believe in it, I never would have done it, especially without that initial support to quit my very safe job in pharma. <laughs> um, and, and I get it, you know, I get it. My, my dad also put me through school, which I'm very grateful for. And, you know, when you decide to quit your career, how many years in? four or five years in, <laughs> I can see how he wouldn't be very happy about it. So <laughs> that's okay. He's, um, he's, yeah. he's really proud of us today. So um, he was just looking out, looking out what he thought would be best for us. So there's, I can't, I can't complain there. <laughs> uh, I, who knows? Maybe I'll do the same when yeah. I have kids. I don't know, but probably not. <laughs> <laughs> but probably not. I like that. <laughs> I think it's kind of natural though. You know, I mean, mom and dad always have that best interest you know, they want, they want what's best for you. And so if, if it's something that's insecure, you know, or in their minds is something that's not as secure as what you're doing, they're going to say, wait, 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 because they want, they want to protect you. So yeah, I, I get it. It's totally natural, but your kids are obviously going to be like pig farmers, <laughs> right? Because they're so much fun. Who knows? <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I know that you guys don't just farm. You guys do a method of farming, which is called regenerative, <laughs> regenerative farming. 
uh, regenerative farming. And um, Amanda's used to me stuttering all the time, so it's it's not a big it's one deal. Of her lovable so um, it, <laughs> uh, I, I can never say words right. It's awful. Anywho, um, it's a different way of farming, and there's a lot more work that goes into it, but it's better for the land, and it's kind of like a circle of life idea. That's the best way I can explain it. Can you explain a little bit to our audience about about that way of farming and also um, how you guys decided to go that route? Sure. Um, so regenerative farming, and it, and it used to be called sustainable. It's kind of like, what's the buzzword of the decade? <laughs> so when we actually first started in 1915, <laughs> right. we were calling it sustainable. Then everybody really started moving towards regenerative and we're like, okay. And it's just, you know, having mother nature and animals working together and to do what's best for just the soil and the environment, for the health of the animal and for humans. And so I really kind of need to go back here a little bit and talk more about commodity meat. So we've gotten um, as a country, so we don't sell commodity meat <laughs> in 1915. It's we're generally raised, meaning raised like on the land, but most meat, which is going to be commodity meat is raised and produced at scale at mass. So that means they're raised in small barns or overcrowded feedlots or really big barns, but like a lot of animals crammed in together. And the reason why that is, is because it's really scalable and it's the cheapest way to do it. And so the idea is to keep meat really cheap for Americans. But unfortunately, that's at the cost of animal welfare, environment, and also our health. And that's what's so beautiful about regenerative ag now is people, consumers are starting to wake up and be like, hey, I like meat. I want to eat it. But I don't want to eat an animal that was raised basically had a not a very nice life or was damaging the soil or was given antibiotics and hormones. Like I don't want to eat that. And so with this big movement, it's just so amazing because now we're really getting back to the roots and people, you know, it's not just in farming um, and meat, but other aspects of just where America is going today with consuming more sustainable products. So outside of meat too. And so now it's like, how do we raise these animals that they're going to be healthy, that they're going to benefit the soil, and then they're going to benefit our health? And it's just taking it backwards. <laughs> we're taking it backwards, and we're we're not building something that we're, we can just produce meat at the cheapest way possible. And what we're doing is we're using land, and we're letting these animals live out on land, live out you know, in the sunshine on pasture, eating grasses and giving them really high quality feed that hasn't been sprayed with pesticides and chemicals like glyphosate. And we're just allowing them to thrive. And the beauty is that is manure poop is so good for the soil. The grasses love it. And so you're literally building your soil. You're making your land so much better, so much healthier. And the best part about that is, or it's all great, but one of the best parts about that is, <laughs> is like the quality of the meats is so much different. It tastes so much better when you don't, when you raise like good heritage breeds that are known to do well and thrive on pasture, when they're not given hormones or growth promoting antibiotics that make them grow so quickly and just a happier animal. So you just, the taste is so much better. It just tastes so much cleaner and that's just great. So that's kind of a really long-winded answer about regenerative agriculture and why we do it and why we're so passionate about it. And it tastes different. Can you like see a difference? Like if you were to hold up, you know, like a steak from you and a steak from the grocery store, could you see like a visible difference in the meat? Definitely. Yeah. Ours is, ours is yeah. darker for sure. Uh-huh. And like on awesome. the on the on the beef, and then on the pork, it's more red, and you're going to see more marbling because uh, commodity pork has been bred to be super super lean, and it's like kind of the 
kind of pale, pale pink mm-hmm. color. <laughs> um, but that's not yeah. the case for heritage breed pork, like what we raise. Oh my gosh. That mm-hmm. is so cool. And I know that you mentioned earlier that people would be really surprised if they knew how most animals were raised when it comes to, you know, beef and chicken and pork. So kind of dive into that a little bit. Yeah. So, man, I can talk about this stuff for hours, <laughs> but I think a, a <laughs> lot of people like, let's just talk to our Texan audience or, you know, Texas is a big cattle producing state. So if you're driving through the country to one of these big cities, you're probably going to see a herd of cattle somewhere along the way. And I think most people in Texas or just in America, when they see this, they think that's the beef that they're eating when they see these cattle like grazing on these fields, but that's not true. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. our, our system is built to have a lot of, so where the meat comes from at the start will be like ranches, right? And so all these people, all these ranches are investing in a cow calf herd. So what you're looking at is all the mama cows and people think that we're eating those, but, but we're not, what we're eating is so their babies that go into a feedlot. So like 95% of cattle end up in a feedlot. And I drive by one every time I go to our butcher. And it's, I, again, I don't know how we've gotten to this point. I mean, there's, we're here, we are in South Texas, we have 100 degree weather. And these, you'll see these animals up on like a dirt patch without nearly enough shade. They don't get to graze. It, it's just, it's not okay, in my opinion. That's what it all boils down mm-hmm. to. It's just, not okay, um, especially when a lot of people think that hormone implants are okay, which is very commonly used today. It's an implant that goes in a steer's ear, um, and a steer is a, a male uh, cow or male head of cattle that's been castrated, and so they'll try to get the hormone back by giving them a artificial hormone in their in their ear, so it makes them grow faster. Um, oh my gosh! Yeah, it's not okay. Like, how do you? No, I mean, people argue, well, you know, the hormone doesn't, you know, we've had the meat tested. It it doesn't show up in their meat, you know, or it's just a little bit. It's like, it doesn't matter if it's a little bit or does it show up? Just look at the concept of this guys, what's going Mm -hmm. on. Like, this is not okay. And it just makes me so sad. You know, animals, they're beef cattle, especially, or cattle are ruminants. Their bodies are designed. They have two stomachs. They're designed to eat grass. And so when we take them outside of a field or a pasture and we put them in a small crowded area and just on a dirt patch, it's not okay. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, and chickens are raised in big broiler houses, even the organic stuff don't <laughs> organic is another definitely also organic meat that is just certified organic. It isn't necessarily what people think it is. <laughs> um, so chicken is raised in like big broiler houses with 40 to 60,000 of them never getting, yeah, that's, it's huge. Um, never getting to step outside. Uh, they're literally raised on their own feces. So the manure just piles and piles and piles until it's time to clean it out. Um, and they're just raised like that. They don't really move very much because they don't have anywhere to go. (laughs) Um, and then lastly hogs. So you don't really have any big hog farms here in Texas. That's more, more up North, but they're raised these big kind of concrete barns. Um, they're not raised outdoors either. And it's just, I think that's honestly what makes me the saddest because I have so many pigs and they're so like, you know, Amy, they're so curious. They love to wallow in the mud and nap in the sunshine (laughs) and root and eat whatever they can find their little snouts fine. So tear tear up everything. everything, Right. And and so it, it just, it makes me so sad when most of our pork is, they never even get to see the actual feel the sunshine on their skin. I mean, they let the light in the barns, but they never get to 
feel dirt between their little club <laughs> little toes <laughs> yeah, it's just it make, it's like man don't eat don't eat pork or don't eat meat if you can't eat it when it's raised the right way and it's not the consumer's fault people just don't know so that's kind of part of my job is um, you never want to make people feel guilty for the way they purchase because um, our, our originally raised meats across the board are more expensive. But I just feel like just educating people. And even if it's buying a dozen of pasture raised eggs instead of the real cheap ones, I mean, that makes a difference. If everyone in, the, in America did that, I mean, that's a start. So um, that's a little bit of education without talking about it for two hours. <laughs> well, I like how you guys do your your chickens your meat chickens because it's kind of a tractor method where they're constantly being moved around and that's how we're going to do our chickens too basically by watching how you guys did it um so that they're constantly they have new grass and like you said it's helping the earth and they get to run around like you said and, and the, enjoy the sunshine and it's also a pesticide it's a natural pesticide so there's so many benefits and i mean honestly i wish bacon would not feel so much dirt under his feet. He needs to stay where he's supposed to be. But um, let's talk about pigs because I personally, I have to know. I know yours get out all the time. Have you found a technique yet that has worked? Because nobody, okay, if you don't know this, pigs are super duper agile. I didn't know this. It's like they're magicians at getting out of stuff. I don't know how they do oh, it. They're the smartest little stinkers that ever existed. Yes. <laughs> yes. So uh, we have 57 acres and the hogs, when they get at a certain age, they want to roam the whole 57 acres. They don't like their five <laughs> acre field um, that gets moved around constantly as well. So we, they go through, you hit a certain stage where they're like a little bit bigger and ready to be away from mom, but they're still small. So they can really just squeeze under the fence just super easy without getting popped by the um, electric wire and we have a lot at that stage right now and they'll just go on a little voyage all day long wherever they want to <laughs> and it's so frustrating because you're like you don't want them to get out on the highway and you know we have our method with training them to the electric wire but sometimes man all it takes is once will that wire to not be hot or something they just got to hit it once and be like oh I didn't get popped okay I'll just run away for the rest of my life so um <laughs> the idea is if and if it goes smoothly right which never happens but you're you take them off your mom you wean them you put them in a kind of contained area with the electric wiring and hogs are curious they're gonna they're gonna touch the wire and it doesn't hurt them it shocks them right they don't they don't like it I mean I've been shocked a million times by it but they're right. like oh I don't like this so I'm not going to touch it again that's the idea and sometimes that works but then if the wire's not working or we haven't gotten rain and it's not popping hard or wires down you know it's always something they only have to hit it once or twice and they say oh I can escape <laughs> <laughs> and I'm and I'm going and to I'm going to so um we, and then they get a little bit bigger and it gets better but yeah I don't I haven't figured out just a magical way <laughs> I, yeah, I feel like bacon doesn't even feel it sometimes and we have two separate areas where we're kind of alternating taking them and they're huge areas and they're shaded and they have all the water that they could you know, roll around. I mean, it's just like the perfect oasis for a pig. And it's a huge, they're both huge areas alternating them between. And I just can't seem to keep him in. And, and he's not, it, it wouldn't be bad, but he's busted water lines. And it's like the main water lines that water all the rest of the animals. So I'm like, buddy, you got to stay put. Cause he's, it's like he senses them underneath the ground. And I don't know what it is, but he digs and then he busts them and then he gets the water to come out and he's a happy boy. He's like, look, I'm <laughs> 
So it's just like, dude. So anyway, I wouldn't mind it because we're, I don't think you can really get on the highway, but it, I know the, the neighbors get a show every time he's out because I have to, we've got a big Matt, uh, Maggie, uh, I'm sorry, Hilly. We've got a big Magalista and she, she pretty much stays put, but I see her pushing on that fence sometimes and pushing, pushing the limits, but it's really just bacon. And I'm just like, dude, you got to quit. Oh, it can be frustrating. Quit, I know that firsthand. <laughs> You're like, oh, <laughs> but like, it makes me almost not want to get more. I told my husband, I said, I want to breed heritage pigs and we've got two. And I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know. Do I want to keep doing this? I don't know. But it makes for maybe I'll have a hundred. It makes for really good social media that like both of y'all's pages. Every time I see a story with a pig, I just like I'm so excited about <laughs> it because they're always hilarious. Oh yeah, they have little binds of their own. And it's it's yeah, <laughs> we have a lot of content all the time. Something's always going wrong or someone's oh. getting out or something. <laughs> so okay, mm-hmm. tell me this. What is the what's the hardest part of your job? Because I know that like I mean, I watch your stories and I follow you on social media and I love it because there's always so much mischief going on and everybody's always laughing, but I know that there's hard parts to every job. So what is that for you? Gosh, you know, really probably the hardest job is honestly sales. So we don't have a store. We're not depending on foot traffic. We don't go to a farmer's market. We ship everything. So we're literally building a community all online where (laughs) we're Basically, you can't come and shop. So people have to make the decision to buy our products without ever stepping foot on our property. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of people think when they start a business like ours um, is, you know, if you build it, they will come. But but that's that's not the that's not the case. It's something I've got to work at every day between putting out good content or just providing a lot of value to our consumers, educating, um, connecting. And so, yeah, that's the hardest part. And that's one of my biggest fears is like one day, no one is going to want to buy our meat anymore. I don't know. It's just an entrepreneur fear. My husband's fear is like, we're going to get some virus and it's going to knock everyone out. Oh wait, I didn't mean to tie that with COVID, but like, <laughs> like, whoops, like, um, animal disease wise. Um, and here I am over like, Oh, no one's going to want to buy our stuff anymore. So the hardest part is definitely just staying after it. And, getting our sales numbers up. Mm-hmm. So it's really just engaging with people online and selling over the internet through social media, through email marketing. And it's just providing our customers with the just value and good content and connection. And that's an everyday job that you can never get away from. You know, you can't just, y'all probably have heard the terms, <laughs> uh, post and ghost, you know, we've got to, I've got to be active mm-hmm. on these apps. I've got to, constantly be building content and value and it's it's hard work sometimes I know when people get into this business you know they kind of have the mindset like if if I build it if they build it then the consumers and customers will come well (laughs) that's not the case I've had many days where there's just been crickets (laughs) so uh, first Mm -hmm. getting started you know when you send an email out and you're so excited about it and you spent hours order comes in like those are the hard days it's so hard getting getting started and and sticking to it, but you eventually get to a point where traction catches on and um, you just have to keep going every day. <laughs> so, and I love that you like educate people as you can, as you create content, like all of your stuff is funny or it's educational. And I feel like that's so important because you guys have a lot of followers. You really do. And when they can hear about, you know, not, you know, raising your animals, right. The correct way and why it's so important 
I think that that just, I mean, that can do no harm. That's just, it's so good um, for everybody to hear that. Because like you said, the the average consumer doesn't know. You know, they don't know how their chicken or beef is raised. They have no idea. So when you're educating like that, I just think that's so important. That's so true. And I appreciate that. Thank you. Because it's it's a hard balance. It's a balance too, because you don't want to come off as like you're beating up another farmer or industry or making Mm -hmm. people feel guilty for buying it. So it's like this really delicate dance where you're like, okay, I want to help you. I want to educate you, but I'm not trying to make you feel guilty for like buying this or um, I don't want to make another commodity farmer um, feel guilty as well because a lot of them are, you know, good people. They just, we've gone different paths. That's what I should say. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you don't want to beat them up by any means. Well, I know that I've been following you the past few years, you know, Uh, Like I said, you were kind of an inspiration for what we wanted to do. And I've noticed a a substantial growth in your social media. So I'm guessing that's probably most of it, you know, just staying active, not giving up, not giving in when you've had a bad day, posting that content. Um, But I just wonder, like, are there any other social media tips that you may share for business owners who are you know, looking. Oh, definitely. You know, there hasn't, there hasn't been anything that's been magical. (laughs) hasn't been an overnight success. Um, It's really just staying after it. I think most of our following probably comes from just word of mouth more than anything. When you put out good content, that's either entertaining or educational, like we've already talked about. I mean, it makes people want to follow you. Um, And I think that's what's so important. You can't just come out and sell, sell, sales. It's, it's got to be more of a story. And I think that's something that we're good at is storytelling. And so people share, people feel connected to you. They buy your meat, they share it with their friends. They'll take a picture of it, you know, might get a few followers here. And then sometimes, you know, even bigger accounts will um, order some of our meat. And that's how one of our influencers that talks about our meat, she's in Texas as well. And we've gotten, you know, definitely a lot of followers from her account, like a thousand or something or 2000. Um, actually probably more than that. And that's, that's another way to, to grow um, is if you get someone with a big account to post about you, but it's got to be authentic. Um, It's not just, here's a box of their meat. You're going to get a ton of followers. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is what Catherine and Tanner are doing. And that's, that's how we've, we've grown. And we've had a couple lucky cases like that. That's, you know, bumped us up a couple thousand. But besides that, it's just grinding. (laughs) I wish it was, I wish there was some easy, quick, quick trick yeah well speaking of stories there's got to be some sort of blooper beginning stories out there we love to hear that part of people's journey so can you think of anything off the top of your head that's <laughs> oh I, got, I have two so I guess that the first one would be more on just getting started you know we after we raised our first two hogs um we were ready for a sow so we were ready for to get a mama pig to have babies and so we got our bread and we were so excited and we didn't know what we were doing, but we were so, you know, couldn't wait to get piglets. So we were waited the four months. Um, and, you know, in those last couple of weeks, that's a gestation cycle, four months. In the last couple of weeks, we were just, man, doing everything we could. We were giving her like daily belly rubs. We were checking her milk. We were just giving her a little extra feed and extra love. And we were just like, oh, we can't wait to have our first batch of piglets. And then four months goes by nothing then like four months and one week nothing (laughs) oh my god two weeks nothing and she wasn't bred (laughs) so 
Oh my we god. Were, oh my I god. mean, she was loving those extra belly scratches though. Man, she was loving it. But we just had we were so new and she'd already had one litter, so bless her heart. She's our Sal, we still have now gypsy. She's always she never really quite bounced back, you know, always a little saggy in her teat area. And we just didn't know the signs on whether she was getting milk or not. And she just there was there was nothing there. So we had to wait another four months, <laughs> five, until we got our first litter so rookie mistake and <laughs> my second story is oh gosh this is so embarrassing um just another thing about getting started so I really was focusing on Facebook before I got on Instagram um and so I was doing some boosted post here and some ads and you know the way we can get extra sales is do like specials around holidays and so I was like oh so we had launched in November and so we did like a little December so a little Christmas special and the next holiday was Valentine's Day and I was like oh man I'm gonna do just like this killer special like I can't wait it's gonna go so well and so <laughs> my target market was to guys um, for for women to buy their spouse or boyfriend this um, special of meat and so I thought I would call it the man meat special <laughs> Uh, me being as naive as I am I didn't even oh, click no. in my mind that like man meat can actually mean like man private parts like I didn't know like you know I'm about as I don't know square as it gets I guess <laughs> and so man I launch it I throw a hundred dollars at it and boy and on Facebook and man the comments started rolling in and I was so embarrassed <laughs> like I had like random guys just being like I noticed it because I got these, like, I can't remember exactly what they were, but there were comments like, oh, I'm going to get you the man meat. And I was just like, what? <laughs> and so I, I called oh, Tanner God. and I'm like, Tanner, these comments, like, what? This, what's going on? He was like, yeah, Shane, his brother called me. I mean, I didn't take it that way, but that can mean, <laughs> oh my gosh, guys, I, don't, I didn't sell one. I was so embarrassed. I just deleted it and just, oh, it was bad. <laughs> yeah, it was the worst $100 I spent, but it makes for a good story. Oh my God. But like sometimes when you start getting that com the comments like that, you're like, I just gotta leave it up. <laughs> what people right? Amen. Publicity is oh, good publicity, God. right? That's so true. Isn't that what they say? <laughs> that has got to be the funniest blooper I've ever heard. That I'm like teary funny. from laughing at that. <laughs> do a man jump. There we go. One. Like man jump. Man oh my man god. Jump. No, you should totally do chicken hearts. Because didn't you guys just have those the other day? You just like just yes, tried chicken hearts. Yes, that's a good idea. Oh, wow. There we go. I like it. Yeah, food. didn't you? But you both said they They're were so good, good. Right? They taste like dove. Mm. Wrap them in yes. some bacon. Yeah, we just had them mm. just grilled, and they there were so go. good. But yeah, especially a little bacon, a little cream cheese, jalapeno. Mm-hmm. I'll take Heck them. Yeah. <laughs> Can you order those on your site right now? Yeah. Oh, that's we are pretty know. popular on the organ side of things because it's really hard to find grass-fed and pasture-raised organs, and it's there's just a different market really likes organs. They're, yeah. They're pretty hot. They're hot product. So uh, one of the things that I love, love, love is the story about your house, because it's not just about your farm. You have a really cool story about your house. So can you just tell us a little bit about oh, well, it? Oh, thank you. That's really so cool. what drew us to the property is, so it was these 
when we knew we wanted to move to the country, we really wanted 20 acres. Well, like 10 acres, maybe 10 or 20 or five. I don't know. Not, not 57 <laughs> um, with just, <laughs> right, just with a small house on it. But my realtor called and was like, boy, Catherine, I got the deal from, for you. I found 57 acres with a free house. And I'm like, oh, hell yeah, <laughs> free house. <laughs> um, so we roll up the creepy drive and oh my gosh, it was here. Here we saw this old unappraised farmhouse um and we went through it and we were like oh gosh and the realtor drove us all around the property with the beautiful live oaks and we just fell in love with it and as tanner and i were leaving that day he's like what do you think and i was like i love it (laughs) i was like all we need to do is paint it and he was like oh my gosh um and yeah, we ended up buying it. And the reason why we were able to afford it is because it was literally like in such bad condition that it wasn't appraised. It was basically free. <laughs> so the first three years, two and a half years of our story of living out here was remodeling this house together. And we'd spent all our money on the land so we couldn't afford a contractor. So it was, again, nights and weekends just grinding in the house um, and trying to keep as much of the original character as we can. And one thing when we were remodeling everything which felt like forever you know we'd always wondered what the date was but I could never find anything with like an actual date and it wasn't till two years in we were in the attic and Tanner looked up and saw written on the rafters September 14th 1915 with the signature of the original owner's name on it yeah wow oh my so gosh. that was a really special moment because we were like oh my gosh this house is so old it's over 100 years like this is so neat. So, so yeah, it's been a labor of love. That's uh, how we started our marriage, which is <laughs> pretty interesting, you know, with no, no AC and no walls, but uh, we made it through, you know, what, to get what you want in life, you usually have to sacrifice something. So um, it's definitely opened up a lot of doors for us here now in 2021 and no telling with what's yet to come. So we're very grateful that we've been through it and we love it. We love it. <laughs> Oh my gosh, have you guys ever done any like research on the people? Yes, I kind of got like went hard on Ancestry.com. Like I was like, I gotta learn about these people. So it was um, originally a 110 acre track with an older house. And that's where the family grew up. But then as the sons got older, they built this house um, a little bit down the ways (laughs) on this 57 acre track. And um, yeah, it was Berthold Wendell's. Berthold Wendell. Mm-hmm. Wow. So it's fun doing a little history. And also the joke is, so I live in a really, really tiny town, Myersville, Texas. And we still don't know a lot of the locals because we're kind of like those crazy hippie farmers. Um, and everyone's kind of wondering what we're doing. <laughs> and they're like, man, they keep building things. Like, what are they? Are they doing fighting chickens? I got that question the other day. You're all doing fighting chickens? Because I guess our like our like maternity oh suites for our sows are these oh huts, gosh. and I guess that looks like fighting chicken huts. I don't know. I was like, no, that's where our sows are before they have their children. <laughs> um, and so many people that we've talked to, they're like, oh, I've lived in your house before. Yeah, because it used to be like a rental, I guess, at one point. And so like half the towns lived in oh our house, gosh. and they're like, oh yeah, I lived in the old Fox Crossing house. I'm like, oh my gosh, just stop it, guys. <laughs> So yeah, it's it's a uh, it's got its quirks, but wouldn't have it any other way. It's like the community so house. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if I were to order some of your meat, where do I go? 1915farm.com, or just Google it. 
uh, we're all on the first page of Google. If you Google 1915 farm and it's all online. Mm-hmm. Okay. Super perfect. simple. And you said anybody in the yes, United States can order, definitely. right? We ship everywhere. Okay. Perfect. Okay, guys, 1915farm.com. And then where can we find 1915 you 1915 farm. <laughs> yes. Guys, so easy. <laughs> I got the, I got it all. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for being here. We definitely want everybody to go and visit her website. Catherine and Tanner are actually going to be offering all of our listeners an affiliate link that we're going to be posting later this week when the episode is live. So y'all keep an eye out for that and y'all go and try out some of her great products. Your body is really going to appreciate it. Your mouth is going to love it. It's going to taste better. It's going to be better for you. And uh, we just love Catherine to death. Thank you so much for being here. And tell Tanner hi. <laughs> yes, I sure will. Yes, <laughs> Appreciate it. Yes. We didn't mean to like exclude him, you know, but it is like a women's podcast. We still appreciate all the work he does. So hi. <laughs> of course. Oh, hey, Tanner. Hey. Yeah. And you guys, we're going to leave that affiliate link up on our social media. But so be sure to take advantage of that. It's so awesome, Catherine, that you're doing this for all of our listeners. We so, so, so appreciate you. Of course. Thank you so much. All right, y'all. Bye. See y'all next Bye. time. Bye wow i am so glad that we took the chance on reaching out to Catherine. i am still on cloud nine for the fact that she even accepted our invitation what a great episode she's so funny and i just really love everything about what they do I know. And I know I said it before, but isn't she just like the most down to earth person? Like I just admire her will to do what's right for the animals, you know, and how she gives them these just amazing lives and lets them live how they were supposed to live. Like she says, this is how they were meant to live. And I love that so much. Exactly. I feel the exact same way. And I just think that her and her husband are some of the best people in Texas. So Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope that you loved the episode as much as we did. If you did, please be sure to go on to your favorite podcast platform and give us a rating. It, we really appreciate it so much. We do, guys, and we have some exciting news. We, like we said, we get to offer an affiliate code with 1915 Farm. We are going to link it, guys. We can't wait to do that. Just follow the links provided in our social media accounts on Facebook and Instagram and enter in code PSS to get a special exclusive discount. Order a bunch of meat. Order the chicken hearts. Let us know what you think about them. We're going to order some. Let us know what you think about the taste. And we will talk to you guys next week. We'll see you next week, guys. Remember, a good podcast is like a woman's skirt. Long enough to cover the subject, but short enough to create interest. Bye.